welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Be blessed in your spirit. Lift it up once more to do what your heart tells you is your calling. Be filled now with a holy energy made young once more to continue your search for the sacred. All along our journey, the Spirit is here to help us when we grow discouraged, to support us when we feel tired. We are offered a cup of cool water from the deep springs of love. Feel the power of your hope returning. See the vision that once inspired you glow again with the fire of heaven. Be renewed in your faith, strengthened in all you believe. Come and worship. All right, friends, if you want to make your way back to your seats. You know, back in the day, uh, prior to a global pandemic, it was always very difficult to get the people of Awaken to stop talking, you know, to stop visiting. And there was this buzz that was always in the room. And this was the first moment, like, since we've been meeting together where I I felt that again. So that's so great. I didn't want to stop you. You just looked like you were having so much fun. Um, yeah, that's, where, that's reason to celebrate. Uh, a couple things before we jump into the teaching this morning, uh, just by way of community life. If you're new, uh, welcome to you. We're so glad you're here. Uh, we would love to know that you're here, so if you're uh, willing to do that on our website, there's a place on the front page you can click I'm new here or uh, new to awaken, I think. Fill that out. Somebody from our connections team will connect with you, invite you out to a beverage of your choice to get to know each other a little bit. Uh, some things that are happening that we want to announce our trunk retreat is coming. Signups are still coming in. Very excited about that. Yeah, yeah. If you weren't here for this, um, you can go to the website, click on trunk retreat, and it'll give you a little uh, web, little page that'll share some of the details of what this is. I mean, it's pretty simple, right? Trunks are your homes. Uh, we're going to line them up in the back of the church parking lot. We're going to tell the neighborhood that it's happening. Kids are going to come. You're going to hand out candy to all the kids. It's going to be great. It's going to be lots of fun. Next week, you should know, next week, if you are able, after the second hour, actually after either hour, first or second, someone will be in the lobby in the back in the gallery, and there'll be a map of West 7th, our neighborhood, and just stacks of flyers. And so if you're willing and able, we need people to just like take a couple of blocks and walk down the the neighborhoods and hand out flyers, just put them in people's doors and let them know that we're doing this, all right? So if you can do that next week, um, after the service that you attend, check in the back and somebody will give you an assignment, mark off where you are, and then we won't, uh, you know, we won't double up. So pretty easy. You don't even have to talk to anybody if you don't want to. You just hand out flyers, okay? It's going to be really great. So that's Trunk or Treat. Uh, That's that's Halloween, by the way, October 31st, 1 to 4. Uh, Also, um, there is an, uh, an event happening this week, uh, yeah, the 21st, it's Thursday, Fun Parts is a podcast by some friends of, friends of ours, and they're doing a live event, they're recording season three next week, and so they want to do a live event, they're going to do that here. So if you're interested in that, um, it's a podcast about, um, well, spirituality and sexuality and what it means to be human, um, and if you want to come, you are very welcome to do that, seven o'clock. Thursday the 21st, right here. And then um, also, we are, uh, uh, we're, we're hiring a tech director, so if you know anybody who is interested in that, 
Um, oh, do I see that hand right back? Somebody's raising your hand back there. I'm like, oh, we've got, a, we've got an applicant. Jenna, track them down. <laughs> um, so tech director, we need somebody to fill that. Um, kids community update. Um, we're, we're trying. We're, we're trying to get kids community like back up and running. And so that takes uh, volunteers. It takes people. It takes folks like you. Um, so Mandy is the person to contact on that. We're hoping, you know, mid-ish November, early December, um, that we can get our nursery, which is open, our twos and threes, and fours and fives. So at least the busybodies um, will have somewhere to go. Amen to that? Parents? Amen? Amen? Okay. So please um, pay attention to those details. Check out the website, mandy at awakenwest7th.com. Last but not least, there's a wine and a painting night. It's happening on, oh, today's the last day to register. So if you go to the website... You can do that. You're welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep, I practiced all morning. Um, today, we begin a new series, friends, I'm very excited about. It's called Faith and Doubt. Uh, we're in the heart of fall. We're headed towards the beginning of the church calendar, which is Advent. Uh, and as I think about Awaken and like who we are as a church, there are a few common stories that I hear. Uh, they go a little bit like this. Uh, number one, uh, this is my last stop on the bus, on the, the bus called Christianity. Um, I've come here, and if it, if it doesn't work out here, there's a good chance I'm getting off this bus. Um, I hear that story a lot. I hear another story, uh, which goes something like this. Uh, I love, I'm, I'm compelled by, I'm interested in Jesus, but if that means I have to vote a certain way and, and be pro-life and care about the book of Revelation and believe that the world was made in 6,000 years, then I'm probably not very interested, right? I'm interested in Jesus, but this version of evangelicalism or Christianity that I've been told is the only way to go, I'm kind of, I have a lot of questions about that, right? And the other one that I often hear is, uh, I've come here and I am deconstructing everything. It's like I'm asking all these questions and wherever I was, didn't really, wasn't really interested in my questions, asked me to stop asking so many questions. They may, maybe even said, I'm losing my faith. And um, so these are th- stories that I hear, very common ones. And I was thinking about a new series and like, where do we go as a church? What does the congregation called Awaken need to hear? I asked some of my friends, actually, who office down on West 7th. And I was like, what do you guys think? They said, what if we did a series about like spiritual growth or the, the stages of faith? Like on a spiritual journey, are there places where people often stop? Is there any kind of, um, you know, uh, systematic way of thinking about this madness called the spiritual life? And what, and, and what, if, we, what if we did a series that normalized where a lot of people find themselves at Awaken? And I thought, well, that's a very, very good question. That's a very good idea. And so this series is born out of that conversation, uh, and it's called Faith and Doubt. We're going to be here for seven weeks, and I want to begin with uh, a song that my friend Andrew is going to play. And as I was preparing for this sermon series and thinking about where we might go, I I heard this song. My wife said, have you heard this yet? And I was like, no, listen to it. And I thought, that is this series. Um, And I've been listening to it kind of on repeat for the last eight weeks or so, preparing for this series. And for me, it's been a bit of an anthem in terms of like, um, I find myself in this song and the words of it, and I think that this congregation may as well. So this song is called, Jesus, I Have My Doubts. Jesus, 
sorry about last night Jesus We both know I tried Jesus Feels like the world's in pieces I'm sure you've got your reasons But I have my doubts Jesus, I have my doubts When everything that's right feels wrong And all of my belief feels gone In the darkness in my heart is so strong Can you reach me here in the silence Singing these broken songs Looking for the light for so long But the pain in my heart goes on and on and on Can you reach me here in the silence? Everything that's right feels wrong, and all of my belief feels gone. In the darkness in my heart, so strong. Can you reach me here in the silence, singing these broken songs, looking for the light for so long, but the Can you reach me here? 
should just pray and go home. <laughs> uh, yeah, are you there? Can you hear me? Do you care? Are you near me? Can you reach me here in the silence? Questions I have asked many, many, many times. So the next seven weeks, today what I want to do is I want to sort of um, lay the, the, the foundation to sort of create a framework for us as we're going to go on in this series. Uh, I want to share today like uh, stages of faith. So it's going to feel a little bit more like a seminar today than it will like a preacher preaching a sermon. But you all are smart folks, so put your thinking caps on, all right? Uh, and hopefully that will help us kind of make sense of the next six weeks uh, where we're going to just look at people in Scripture who asked questions, who doubted, who wondered if Jesus was really who he said he was, if God was really like what Jesus said God was like, uh, and see if there is some wisdom in our journey as we, uh, as we are on it, all right? So this morning, we're going to begin with Ecclesiastes chapter 3, a, a, a verse that you've probably heard before, made famous by a band, maybe before I was born, I don't know, the birds, um, but uh, if you would, please stand for the reading of the word. Bethany and Pogi will read for us this morning. <clears throat> There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search, and a time to give up. A time to keep, and a time to throw away. A time to tear, and a time to mend. A time to be silent, and a time to speak. A time to love, and a time to hate. A time for war, and a time for peace. Would you pray with me? God, this morning, as we listen to the wisdom of the writer, we recognize that there are seasons, that life ebbs and it flows, and that there is an appropriate time for certain things. So God, as we begin this journey, would you give us the wisdom, the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the hearts that are soft enough to recognize where and what the Spirit of God is saying to us today? I pray in the strong name of Christ and by the power of the Spirit. And the church said together... Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the writer says there are seasons. There are these appropriate times for certain things. And I want to sort of start this series with that in mind. And we're going to lay this groundwork. Um, and the groundwork is that this stages of faith, that these are very normal and natural. They, uh, they have been written about uh, by many, many people. They've been studied. They've been documented by a whole bunch of people over the life of the church. Um, and that in some ways, this is very predictable. Um, not that it's a formula and you can sort of insert the variables and get the right answer at the end, but Faith and the spiritual life, like human development, has some kind of markers that happen along the way. And we can look at them and we can say, oh, that makes sense because this person or I may be in this stage or season of the spiritual life. Um, for our series, I'm going to be leaning heavily on a book called Faith After Doubt. It's recently been published and released by Brian McLaren, if you know that name. 
And um, he's drawing from people like Fowler, who wrote a book called The Five Stages of Faith. There's one book where there's nine stages of faith. Uh, but Fowler, uh, if, you, if you have done any work in psychology, like Piaget, Erickson, Kohlberg, these folks are studying human and social development and emotional development. So he's drawing on this sort of breadth and depth of work. Um, it's one schema. It's one sort of framework. It's not the only one. It's not the right one. But for me, as a person who is preaching and trying to offer things to you that are, you know, uh, understandable, this one has the least amount of stages, and I think it's the most simple. Um, so they say if it's a mist in the pulpit, it's a fog in the pew, right? I always get that backwards, but I got it right that time. So we're trying, to, uh, we're trying not to have a mist in the, in, the, in the pews, friends. So the four stages that McLaren talks about are simplicity, complexity, perplexity, and harmony. So let's take these in order. We'll sort of talk about some of the things you can expect in each of them. And then I want to just draw a few observations at the end, all right? So first of all, stage one, simplicity. Words you could use to describe stage one would be dualism, uh, dependence, authority, uh, stage one is all about uh, sorting the world into categories that sort of make sense. It, it, it allows you to handle the world. It, um, is this berry edible or inedible? If you guys remember the movie Wild, that guy who died on the bus in Alaska ate the wrong berry. He would have done well to pay more attention in stage one. Is this berry edible or inedible, right? It's dualism. It's dualism. It's either or. Is this person a friend or an enemy? Is dancing permitted or forbidden? Is drinking dance uh, permitted or forbidden? Does dancing lead to drinking? Uh, um, right? Dualistic. Either or. It's, it's very clear. Uh, this is the world of, of authority and of parents and of pastors, people who tell you what the answers are, what the Bible says, what to do and what not to do. Um, it's built on trust. If you don't trust, you don't obey, and if you don't obey, you won't survive, right? It's a war out there, and we got to protect the kids. We don't tell them why they shouldn't cross the street. We don't talk about inertia and mass and momentum and cars and gravity. We just say, don't cross the street or you're going to die. That's stage one. And this works, right, for, for development as humans, but also in the spiritual life. It works, and it's helpful, and it's normal, and it's natural. If we stay here too long, this can and often does become toxic. And I'm guessing many of you have been a part of that scenario, or you've seen those people. You, maybe you've been in that stage before. Um, those most committed to this stage can become obsessive about dualistic judgments and simplicity, right? It's the plain reading of the Bible, friends. You've heard that before? Um, the world is sorted into good people and bad people, in and out, saved and damned. And if folks are on the other side, we try to get them into our side. Uh, and if they don't, we exclude them or just don't pay attention to them, eliminate them at worst because it's us or it's them, right? It's either or. And for a while, this works. Really, it does. And there are good things about each of these stages uh, and this works until, like, our circles begin to expand, and we start to encounter people who maybe are different than us, and we ask the question, why? Why this belief, or why this way of thinking about it? Why this answer? Why not that? And we begin to ask some questions and doubt some things in pursuit of an answer, which leads you to stage two, complexity. If, uh, some words you could use to describe complexity would be pragmatism, independence, and building or constructing something. If stage one is all about dualism and dependence, stage two is about pragmatism and independence. Right? These are, this is the teenage move, you know, pushing back against mom, dad, parent. Um, stage one is all about surviving in some ways. Uh, stage two is about skill and mastery, about 
um, getting what we want, about succeeding, about answering the question why. It's about building the tower. It's about constructing the, 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 the ways of thinking or uh, belief or understanding. And so we build our systematic theologies, and they are certain and unchangeable and unchallengeable. Uh, if I learn the right things and I master them and employ them, then I can succeed. I can thrive. I can live in this complex world. This is where we get preachers who preach things like three steps to a happy marriage. I'm proud to say I've never preached that sermon. <laughs> or seven steps to healing or you know, six reasons why prayer works. Stage two is actually a beautiful thing. And sometimes, if I'm being totally honest, I kind of want to go back. Because, gosh, it's, it's really straightforward, and it's easy, and, it, and it's working. John Mark Nelson, who previously worked here, wrote a, a song called Christian Summer Camp. Have you, any of you heard this song? The chorus of it says, it felt real back then, crying in that dusty chapel. What I assume was God cutting through me like, like a scalpel. I'd give anything to feel that right now. Right? Gosh, you ever wish you could just go back? <laughs> Uncle Rico was right. In stage two, yeah, God and the world are complex, but I'm gaining knowledge, I'm gaining insight and certainty and producing results, and it feels really good. In this stage, we can become compulsively pragmatic and analytical. Uh, we develop schemes of simplicity, and they work, right? Until they don't work. Until somebody from stage two who's all the way at the top falls. A parent, a pastor, an authority figure makes a decision, and we think to ourselves, like, they were doing everything they were supposed to be doing. How is that the fruit? And how can I trust that, or them, or whatever they represent? For me, it was Phil and RJ. Fill in the blank for maybe you. Somebody who was just rocking stage two until they weren't. And in these moments, when we're at the top of the building, uh, we look down and we realize, like, this is the wrong building. <laughs> or the building's on fire. Or this building's on really shaky footings, like that building in Florida. And sometimes in this stage, like, when something goes wrong or it doesn't turn out right, we double down on the system. And we think, like, well, I should pray, I should pray more. Or I should read the Bible more. Or I should have more faith. Or when you bring questions to a system two leader, they say things like that to you. And we blame ourselves, or worse, we blame the victim or the person who's struggling, and we say, like, what's, it's clearly you don't have enough faith, or you're not trying hard enough, or you're not faithing enough. And if you're in this place, and the complex world that you've built begins to crack, and doubts come crashing in, sometimes people think that and say that. Are you losing your faith? One of my family members said that they were praying for me. And they were worried about my church and the people that sit in the pews every, every Sunday. One, one person said, uh, uh, Micah, when I come to church, um, I just leave with questions. And I, I, I just need to be encouraged. I need to be told that I'm on the right track. I need to, I need to know that what I'm believing is right. Oh, okay. This is stage two. And so in those moments of crisis, when a stage two leader falls or does something, or you begin to ask questions in doubt, you sort of move into stage three, which is perplexity. You could describe this as deconstruction, doubt, skepticism. Uh, life here is more than just simple and complex. It's like mysterious and just downright perplexing at times. 
paradoxical. And this world is all about deconstructing. It's about critiquing. Uh, it's about critiquing the world. Uh, it's the world where leaders and institutions and anyone with coherent narratives or totalitarian narratives or complete narratives about the world and how it works are not to be trusted because we've seen what happens when those people are in power. And when it's bad, it's really bad, amen? And so we question that. We, we stand at, uh, in on arm's length, and we, we're a little suspicious about it. And this stage, honestly, can be really, really lonely. Because inherently, you're skeptical. You're, you're questioning. You're suspicious of something. Anyone who represents that thing, institution, or system. And so you stand at arm's length to people and to things. And so it often is really, really lonely. It's hard to build a church or a community around a bunch of people who are in this stage because everybody's a little skeptical. It's hard to, get, hard to earn trust. The irony here is that a lot of seminary professors and Christian university professors find themselves here. And they say that it's really hard to find a church <laughs> who will let them, who, who will welcome their inquiry and their search. Pastors who find themselves here are just up the creek without a paddle. You know what I'm saying? Because like they work at churches often that are not interested in the questions and the doubts and the skepticisms and the wonderings. And, they're, and the people in the pews are just saying, tell me what I need to know and that I'm right. And so pastors in this position are forced to either pretend and offer the dualistic simplicity or the, pragma, the pragmatic you know, uh, certainty, neither of which they believe. So they either fake it or they just say, I can't do this anymore. Or they start churches where they just do something different. Okay, okay. And I, there's a lot of people at Awaken here. This is, one of, this is the common story that I have heard. Where the pragmatic analysis and the, the simple schemes of stage two just have left you wanting. And I, you've told me many times. Sometimes you might feel like you have left the camp altogether. And then you're just sort of wandering out there. And people say you're losing your faith or they'll pray for you, pray for that you might come home, which is code word for back to what we believe. Here's a great summary in McLaren's book of these first three stages. He says, our quest for certainty was confident in simplicity, determined in complexity, and despairing in perplexity. Through the whole process, it, our quest for certainty, represented our desire to gain mastery or control over what we came to know. Stage one, we needed to name whatever we encountered. Stage two, then we judged it, determined its value, relation to our conquest and self-interest and schemes. And then stage three, we scan it for oppression, domination, and exploitation. But in the hot crucible of doubt we experience in perplexity, we began to become cynical about our cynicism, skeptical about our skepticism, critical of our own critical thinking, doubting of our doubtfulness, our naive certainty of simplicity, our excessive confidence of complexity, our obsessive deconstruction of perplexity began to burn away in a self-consuming blast furnace. Now, here's, he gets to it. We finally descended to a point so low that instead of looking down on everything, we had to look up from a humbled position of understanding, you might say. And in doing so, we became capable, get this, of encountering something without needing to control it. Rather, we were able simply to see it, perhaps even to see it with love. This is harmony. 
This is the fourth stage. If you use some words to describe it, unitive, integrated, surrender. In stage four, we learn to live in, not just pass by. Like in stages one, two, and three, you may dip into harmony where you experience that moment, but stage four is when you learn to live there. When you, the, the, the consistent reality is the, the death of ego, that ego has died, and you, along with that, our right to judge, our need to judge and know and control dies as well. And this gift of unifying harmony after perplexity, it seems too simple. Like, it can't be that easy. Almost like a child could get it. I think somebody said something about that once. A second naivete, some people call it, simplicity, innocence. It's like you've come all the way back around. Bruce Cockburn, a singer-songwriter, writes this. He says, all these years of thinking about, all these years of thinking ended up like this, in front of all this beauty, understanding nothing. I sat with a guy this, this last week who was nearing the end of life, in his fourth quarter, we'll say, if there are four quarters. He said, you know, Micah, 30 years ago, I was really, really convinced and certain about where I would go when I die, and today I'm less convinced and certain about that reality. Person of deep faith, somebody that I want to be like, and that's what he said. Rumi says, there's a field out beyond right and wrong, I will meet you there. In stage four, we learn to encounter without the need to control. This is so key. To encounter someone of difference without the need, desire to control. This is what Judy was talking about two weeks ago, by the way, when she says, they're not the mission, I'm the mission. This is stage four. You can encounter without needing or desiring to control or change someone else because they're the mission. No, I'm the mission. That's the deep end of stage four. So harmony is where the sages and the wise ones find themselves. They learn to live from this place. They recognize that it's all gift. It's all grace. And it's all around us all the time, hidden with Christ in God. So these are the four stages of faith in the spiritual journey. Again, there's, this is, this is, there's no like silver bullet here. This is one framework, but I think it's really helpful to sort of put these simplicity, complexity, perplexity, and harmony. Now, let me wrap this up, and I want to offer some observations. If this, in fact, is true, and we find ourselves and the people of our lives all over the map, right, how do we encounter ourselves and each other in ways that are helpful? Number one, transcend and include. If anybody listens to Richard Rohr, you've heard him say this before, but this is so, so important. Transcend and include. What do I mean by that? We rank everything. We judge everything. This is just like second nature, and, you know, free market capitalism doesn't help, right? If there are four stages and harmony is at the top, then that's the best one, and so we rank it, we value it, and we assign, you know, that's what we want. That's what we aspire to, and then we denigrate all the others because that's the best and that's the worst, right? You know what I'm saying? Can I invite us, instead of judging and ranking and assigning value, that we learn to transcend and include we transcend the places that we are in order to become who we will be. In the meantime, there may be some letting go of some things, but there is a lot of including 
and bringing along what we have learned, what we've gained, what we've, the treasures that we have come upon in that season. So we don't look back with disdain or denigrate or diminish ourselves or anyone else. No, we transcend and include. This is the only way that we will learn to really truly love ourselves. It's the only way you'll really truly learn to love others who are different than you. If you can't figure out how to transcend and include, we will only look with difference on the other, whether that be someone else or ourselves at a previous stage in our life. Do you see what I'm saying? Transcend and include. Second, doubt as a doorway to deeper love. Often in Christianity and in spiritual circles, doubt and questions are the enemy. They are not to be trusted. They are to be moved away from. They're the enemy of faith. And I just disagree, like, wholeheartedly. I think seen in the proper light, we come to see doubt as the catalyst that enables and begins the movement from one stage to another. See, if you didn't doubt and question the reactive dualism of simplicity, stage one, then you'd have no need to move to perplex or com com uh, yeah, complexity. And if you didn't doubt the pragmatism and analysis of complexity, then perplexity would seem ridiculous. And if you didn't doubt perplexity and the suspicion and critical deconstruction of it, then harmony would be totally out of reach, right? Notice the common denominator in each of those movements. It's doubt. It's a question. It's a, it's a, uh, I was going to say like a virus in the mind, but that's a very negative connotation, especially in our context. It, it's, it's like, it's like a seed that begins to grow. Without a doubt, without a question, without a wondering, like, could it be there's no reason to move? Doubt is actually the doorway through which we move from one stage to the other. It is not the enemy. So may I invite you to consider what would it mean for you to see and relate to your questions, your doubt, your wondering, not as the thorn in your side, not as something to be prayed for, but something to be grateful for, something to be welcomed, something to be befriended, because that doubt, that question, that wondering is the very thing necessary to move in the spiritual journey. It's not your enemy. So don't treat it as such. And don't let anyone else treat it as such. This is your pastor speaking. You have the freedom to say, I'm going to choose to see my doubt as something other than negative something to be prayed away or prayed for. Last, doubt is the dance partner to faith. Um, when we were thinking about this series, we, were, we considered calling it Faith After Doubt, like the book. But the more we started thinking about it, and, and I don't want you to think that you move beyond doubt at some point in your life. 
I don't want you to think that this is a thing that you will experience and figure out and get beyond. Because I just don't think that's how it works. And I sat with the guy who proved my, my theory this week. Faith after doubt insinuates that we move beyond it, like it's a, it's a one-time means to an end. And I would propose it differently, that, dance, that doubt is the dance partner to faith. I talk about this when I do weddings, but if you look up above you, there's a ridge that, that is the top of this. This is called a gable roof, okay? And there's a ridge beam. It runs from gable, gable end to gable end. And along the way, you have rafters, and there's a rafter on this side, and there's a rafter on that side. And the way that works, if you were to study the science of this, is that there is equal pressure on, what from, on each side of the ridge beam by the rafters, and they literally hold up the structure. So in marriages, I say, this is you and your partner, equal unto one another, holding up this thing that you call marriage. And I would say the same thing today. Faith and doubt hold up the structure that is the spiritual life. Without one, you do not have the other. Because if you have faith without doubt, what you actually have is certainty, and that is not what faith is, right? That's not what life is. Like, if you were to lay rice paper over our lives and, like, trace it with a crayon, what would telegraph through the paper is not certainty, but questions and doubt and paradox and wonder and and unknowing and uncertainty and Madness sometimes, beauty, but not certainty. That's not faith. The spiritual life requires both trust and wonder, question, doubt. And those two things hold up this thing called the spiritual life, the spiritual journey. So doubt is the dance partner to faith. So my invitation to you this morning is maybe... Stop interrogating your doubts as if it's on the stand being questioned by certainty. Certainty is not what I'm peddling. And I don't think it's what the church should be peddling because that's not the spiritual life. If you can know God certainly, for sure, 100%, what does that make you? All-knowing. God. God. And last I checked, you are not that. <laughs> Neither am I. So we, we, there is always unknowing. Faith is like an asymptote. It's always approaching the axis, but never reaching. And this is life. Anybody who tells you otherwise is trying to sell you something or take advantage of you. I want to be honest with you. Faith and doubt will always be together. So learn to befriend it. Learn to walk with it. Learn to dance with it. If you want to go deep in the spiritual life, one that's open and awakened to the divine presence, then you're going to have to dance with doubt along the way. So let me close this morning. We wanted to begin this series with Ecclesiastes, saying that there are seasons of our life reminds us that this is what life is like. And I wanted to put in front of you a foundation, a framework for us to kind of see and understand the spiritual journey, right? These four stages of faith. Maybe it's new to some of you, maybe it's a reminder to others, but more than anything else, for those of you that find yourselves in perplexity this morning, 
You're deconstructing, you're suspicious of all kinds of things, this building, this institution, me, quite frankly. I want you to hear me loud and clear this morning. You are right where you need to be. You are right where you need to be. And we are, I am really glad that you're here. As a church, we are with you and for you in your wondering, in your doubting, in your questions, in your deconstructions, and we won't stay here forever. At some point, there's a very good chance you'll begin to doubt your doubts and be suspicious of your suspicions, and you'll find yourself just looking up instead of looking down on everything. And you'll realize that, in fact, it's all grace, it's all gift. Something will shift in you, and you'll recognize that you are surrounded by the divine presence, and you always have been. You just have to be awakened to it. And that's harmony, the place that Jesus lived. I would argue this is, this is what Jesus teaches us, how to live this life. So that's where we're going. That's our intention. That's where we're inviting you to. And through it all, Jesus, I have my doubts. So pray with me, and we'll continue on this little journey we started. God, we thank you for this day, for this time that we have together. And I pray in the next moment of silence that you would visit us, me and my friends, as we are honest with ourselves and um, the questions that we may have, that we would be asked this question that you asked the first humans in the garden, where are you? And that we would have the courage to answer. And then Holy Spirit, the courage to trust and to follow that which is life, the well that is living water. So speak to us now, I pray. As we close this morning, we want to invite you to a time of response. Um, there'll be communion on my right and my left, which will be available to you. There is uh, red wine and white grape juice. We invite you to take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and know that the body of Christ has been broken for you, the blood of Christ has been shed for you. Mel's going to lead us in song, um, so you're invited to sing along or listen. Uh, the prayer space is available over here. Um, so let's respond together. Friends, uh, thanks for sticking with us today. I know it's, I went a little longer than I normally do, and, but I felt like it was really important because um, this, is, this is the stuff. This is the, uh, this is the, my wife would say, this is the marrow of life, this kind of conversation. And we want to be the kind of church that welcomes it and creates space for it. So along the way, uh, we're all going to need guides, people that can help us along. 
in those liminal spaces. Um, so as much as you pay attention to and are in your own journey, also know that there are those around you who may need something that you have. So um, maybe you've come into this church and you've looked around and thought, gosh, there's a lot of young people around here. I don't know if, yeah, there are. And we need you. So if you're there, um, don't hold your gold. <laughs> Let us have some. We'll do this together. Amen? All right. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up your fa his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The church said together, amen. See you next week. online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.